Hey guys, Owen here. And Michelle too. Oh good, you can help me with a disclaimer. Oh yeah, we weren't going to say that we aren't experts in any of the subjects we cover. We are just fans, having fun, being nerdy, you know. Exactly, and also that there's always the potential for spoilers and coarse language. Sorry. Our listeners should keep that in mind. Thanks so much for listening and we, we hope, hope you, you enjoy. enjoy. everybody, and welcome to another episode of Little Nerdy. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm your co-host, Owen. And today our topic is about... The Fallout Universe. Ooh, I'm so excited. Yeah, but before we get started on that, I want to give a shout-out to our friend Black White Check for creating our intro and outro music on our podcast. You can check her out on Twitch, where she streams Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Her streams are singing and art, including Twitch sings, drawing, and more. Her Twitch address will be in our show notes. Thanks so much for creating our music. Oh, also I gotta tell you about my favorite podcast, Dark Veil. Delve into the dark side with John and Tori. Ooh, what topics do they cover? They do things like murder to the unexplained and everything in between. Hmm, you've piqued my interest. What day do they release their episodes? Every Monday, a day before ours. Sweet, I know what we're doing Mondays. Are you saying we're gonna... Podcast and chill. All right. Now, to start off, I am the big nerd on this topic. Oh, thank gosh. I have only played one game. Yeah, and we're also, well, we'll count the mobile app game Fallout Shelter. But that one really doesn't really (laughs) do much for the lore. No, but it is a fun little game. Um... So, I wanted to start out by asking you how you got introduced to the Fallout universe. That's actually an interesting story, because I really, I knew about Fallout back in, like, uh, around the mid-2000s, and this was Fallout 3, mind you. Mm -hmm. So, I was playing Warhammer with some friends, came over to their place, and one of their brothers was playing Fallout. And I saw him doing the VATing, which is Vault-Tec Assisted Targeting System, onto this big green lumbering thing. I had no idea it was some monster thing. And I thought, oh, that looks interesting, blah, 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 and went on to go play Warhammer. But then later on, I talked to some people about it, and uh, a coworker of mine told me about how amazing this game was, how you can do so much in it and everything. And then I kind of like, it really piqued my interest because I also wanted to know a bit of the history. Well, the problem was is that the history of Fallout is kind of, they're solidly known facts, but then once the war happens, everything gets scattered because when nuclear uh, hellfire is coming down, people aren't really paying attention to the history books. They aren't? No, you know, something to do with the whole surviving and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I guess that's important. So I, I got into it many years later, like uh, mid-2010s-ish kind of thing, mm-hmm. and started playing Fallout 3. And actually, that was just before Fallout... Four, what well, came out for PS4. Mm-hmm, and that's where I was first introduced to the Fallout universe, was from you, actually. Yeah. Um, you had told me that this really awesome game was coming out, and we had to buy it, and I was like, we do? Okay. 
Yeah, because playing the first one, like the way that the gameplay goes, the character, the way you can have your character develop into a good guy, bad guy, or just be a prankster or something, it doesn't really matter because, you know, there were consequences and stuff, but it was, there's no like super solid set plot line for the most part. So just to clarify, when you're talking about the first one, are you talking about the very first Fallout game or are you talking about Fallout 3? I'm talking about Fallout 3 because Fallout 1 and 2 was originally a PC game that was kind of a top-down view mm -hmm. and you kind of clicked your character, kind of like those, um, uh, not Boulder's Gate, but uh, it was a Dungeons and Dragons type thing okay. or something like that. Yeah, and you know, of course, that was like 90s computer games, you know, it, like, for the time, it was really something incredible that came out, and the fact that there was a romance option for your character with whoever you wanted, as long as they could actually have a romantic interest in you, mm -hmm. um, the combat systems, and the lore, even for back then, was something really scary, like, when you think about how, like, if this, if these experiments were really happening and people were really doing this, mm. it would be something most, you know, um, horror, those Halloween fright nights and stuff like that could really take a couple lessons from. Oh, okay. So, essentially, like, I've never, like I said, I've played Fallout 4, and that's kind of a little bit of Fallout 3 as well, and I've seen some gameplay of New Vegas. Yep. Um, but I've never actually played New Vegas myself, and I'm not very far into Fallout 3 at all. But Fallout 1 and 2, I didn't PC game when I was younger. Well, I've never PC gamed, really, unless you count Mother <laughs> Goose when I was, like, six. Um, but you didn't PC game those two games either, but you know the lore on them. I do. Okay. Um, I did PC game a little bit back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, <clears throat> but then, yeah, thing. my parents uh, moved out of the city and internet connection was shoddy at best. <laughs> so playing stuff like those games was next to impossible and everything. So it was just kind of a, yeah, you know, just play solo player games on consoles and stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So anyways... Um, but yeah, that was kind of the introduction into it, and uh, yeah, you know, like learning a lot about. It was actually kind of interesting to me because it's a less it's a story of like how we need to be very cautious of like essentially like a resource war because mm -hmm. they were fighting over fossil fuels at the end of the Great War that they had before they dropped the nukes. Right, and their lore is based a little bit in real lore because they had something called MAD, right? Yeah, that's a scientific abbreviation for Mutually Assured Destruction. Okay. Now, that was an actual real-world thing that happened back in, like, the 50s and 60s, back when, at the end of World War II, there was the fat man and the little boy that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Now, those are the only two nukes that have ever been used in war purposes. Right. And thank goodness for that, because the Fallout universe would be an absolute best-case scenario, because those would... What I know about nuclear science says the world would be just a dust ball floating around the sun again. Ooh, that's not good. No, nothing would survive. I mean, people would claim cockroaches would survive or something, but I think that's more of a fantasy saying that something would survive on Earth, but, you know, humans would not. Right. No, that's <laughs> that's true. What Those little bear things, what are those called? 
Oh yeah, water bears or yeah, something. Yeah, that's the the fun household name I think for them. They might they would probably survive, but let's just more actually. It's like anything with an ability to think to forage and make a shelter and you know all that stuff would would die. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so the, the whole mutually assured destruction thing. That's something that happened during, like, in real life during the Cold War. Yeah, so basically after World War II, uh, communist Russia and capitalist America started an arms race. They built nuclear weapon after nuclear weapon and test-fired a lot of them to see how destructive they could be. Now, between those two superpowers, they developed so many nuclear weapons that it was essentially, you shoot at me, I will shoot you back. You shoot at me. I shoot at you, you shoot me back. So no, neither one of them was ready to pull the trigger because they knew that there would be no way to defend their entire country or even the world from the opposing forces' nuclear weapons. So basically it was a sure, like, uh, the whole concept of you shoot me, I shoot you, everyone loses. Right. So it was a mutually assured destruction. It, nukes don't even have to hit their target. It's the fallout, and you've probably heard this phrase, a nuclear winter. Yeah. Would uh, happen and it would just devastate all life on Earth. Right. Which is kind of the horrific thing. And uh, yeah, so that kind of gets into the whole, the the fall universe took it in that they had created things such as like Rataway, Radex, pills and pouches of medicine that would cure you of radiation poisoning, stuff that we do not have, mm-hmm. and decided let's build these underground vaults. That'll keep hundreds of people safe, and once, you know, the nuclear radiation had gone down, people could survive without getting cancer or, you know, developing all kinds of mutations, can safely live on the surface again. Well, that sounds like a good idea. Actually, it was quite the great idea for a cover-up. Oh. Yeah, the vault industry, what they didn't let a lot of people know is that they were working with a secret organization in the government who wanted to test the idea of, what happens to people if we just mess with their minds? Oh. So, a lot of the experiments were quite heinous, such as the vault that never shut its door 100% of the way, letting a little radiation seep in and people couldn't get to safety in, in time. And they didn't have the rataways and the radexes that you were talking about. So they all got exposed to lethal doses of radiation with nowhere to go, and no resources to replenish themselves. Well, of course, in the game's lore, they ghoulified which is kind of uh, an extreme case of a lot of irradi- uh, radiation, tumors, cancers, things. But when you turn into a ghoul, your brain, is, like your body's breaking down, but your brain is still intact, and you age very, very slowly, much like a real cancer cell. Okay. But then there's also the feral ghouls, the ones whose brains didn't fare so well, and they just become mindless zombies, for lack of a better term. Okay. They'll attack anyone or anything on site except for their own kind. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, it's kind of a, you know, most wild animals, no matter how hungry they get, they generally don't attack their own species. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Cannibalism is typically uh, in extreme, extreme circumstances. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, weren't there also, like, vaults where, didn't they have one where it was, like, one guy... Yeah, that was actually <clears throat> one of the more creepier ones. It was one guy who was told that there'd be dozens or hundreds of other residents coming. Mm-hmm. But just as he got in, the door slammed behind him. Nobody else was able to get in. And 
all the time that he spent inside the vault, he only had food and that's it. No entertainment except for a box of puppets. And here's where it gets really creepy. They wanted to see what happens to someone's psyche when, you know, they have nothing to do and no one to talk to. Right. And this guy goes absolutely batty. Gary. That's a different one. Oh, is that a different one? Yes. Oh. The Gary Vault is a very creepy one that I know gives you chills at night. Oh, that one bothers me so much. I thought that's the one you were talking about. No, Puppet Hand. I can't remember the number of the vault, but yeah, the guy, he just goes by the name Puppet Hand, and he has like five or six puppets, and he gives them all personalities, and they're all talking together, but then one of the puppets gets murdered. Now, how you murder a puppet is beyond me, but in his mind, because he's going so crazy, he actually thinks one of the puppets murdered and tries to figure out who murdered it. Well, later on, he eventually realizes he's got to get out of the vault because he's going to... He finally realizes how crazy he's going and has to leave. Mm. Two uh, wanderers or raiders or whatever they were came across him, roped him up and everything, and tried to figure out what they were going to do with him. What they didn't know is that this guy's lost his marbles so bad that he escaped his ropes and beat them to death with a sock puppet. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and he's been wandering the wasteland ever since. No one knows what happened to him since. And have you ever encountered him in any of the games? Not that I've experienced. Oh, okay, so he's just like a legend. Yeah, that's more of just a lore story kind of oh, thing. Okay. It's a comic book about it. Oh, cool. Yeah, now the vault you're talking about, which is from actually from Fallout 3, the, as we uh, kind of uh, pet named it, the Gary Vault. Uh. Gary. It was actually an experiment to see if cloning could be a feasible way to replenish lost population. Right. Uh, one scientist was working on creating multiple clones of one person, and it was working really well. There's just a huge downside. Much like uh, rabid dogs, um, these things didn't really care about other humans. Ah, yeah, I guess. So, eh? Yeah, there's that whole issue with them, and once the numbers of Gary clones outnumbered the others, they began to overtake the vault in a very violent fashion. They would take sticks and metal pipes, heck, even guns, and they killed every resident in there. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about when you come across that vault and you just hear, Gary, Gary, Gary. Yeah. It's terrifying. You know they're around somewhere, but all you, it's, it's almost like a Pokemon thing in a way, but yeah. they're... It's creepy because you know that as soon as they see you, they're going to be like, hey, you're not me and you're not like my fellow clone brothers and I'm going to, you know, beat Kill your you. brains in. Yeah. And yeah, that's actually uh, been one of the very interesting ones. Nice. So with Fallout, you said it's kind of like goes mutually assured destruction and the Cold War. What year is it set in though? Well, that's the interesting thing, because they decided to go with, uh, the, around the 1950s, and technological advancement stops, in a way. Okay. Mechanical uh, progression com continues. They create, instead of creating um, digital fuel injectors into cars to make cars burn less fuel, mm -hmm. they created atomic cars, using mm -hmm. machinery that could host a nuclear reactor and drive your car, essentially, almost forever. So when the bombs fell, it wasn't just bad enough that it was nuclear weapons that fell. Yeah. But then they were also blowing up nuclear vehicles and nuclear... Uh, in industrial plants. Yeah, like everything was nuclear powered, right? So like your house was powered on from a nuclear plant, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. 
Ooh, so that would have made those those nukes even stronger. Well, it would have made the fallout and the radiation much worse because yeah. now many people might know about this, but have you heard of Chernobyl? Oh yeah. Now imagine now Chernobyl was a nuclear meltdown. Yeah. It was the plant got too hot, it didn't cool down, and the entire plant essentially ceased to a halt, but the radiation was still being or the the uranium was still being active and that gets really hot. Mm. And that melted one reactor after another reactor and just poured all this radiation out of the plant. Right. Now, imagine that several hundred times over across the world. Ooh. Yeah. Chernobyl was bad enough to affect a large area and make it very uninhabitable. Yeah, I think there's a place called Prit... Pat? I think that's what it's called in Russia that is still inhabitable today uninhabitable uninhabitable sorry <laughs> yes that's what i meant um so i couldn't even imagine something a hundred times over right yeah so that's kind of one of the things about it because like everything uh that's why a lot of the robots are so clunky and bulk kind of thing because the technology to make hydraulics and stuff like that uh they progressed very well to make uh, anything from construction robots medical aid robots law enforcement all these different types. Right. But the brains of these things were so bulky and huge that it was mostly just a processing computer that didn't have a microchip. Right. It was a very, like, think of the 60s and 70s style of computers and processing. Right. Like, the machinery to move around a computer was not a problem, but creating something that could... That was small and compact. Yeah, it could calculate out numbers and statistics was very bulky in comparison versus nowadays where it's we've got amazing technology to make gyro stabilizing uh, walking dog things mm-hmm. uh, people are making 3d uh, printings of stuff yeah because the technology the microchip has made things so small your cell phone the thing we're recording on right now yeah is amazing for how like compact and tiny and efficient it is but the like a lot of industrial machinery, hasn't progressed as much as the fall universe got theirs. Right. And I, it's funny that you say that about the microprocessor and the phone, because I can remember in school, I'm not very good at math, and I'd always want to use a calculator. Yeah. And they'd always say, Michelle, you're not going to walk around carrying a calculator on you all the time. Baha! Yeah. I have a calculator and a little computer on me at all times. <laughs> One for Michelle, zero for the teacher. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. it's definitely good to have a basic math skill and everything, but when you have to do, like, uh, 357 divided by 13, uh, that would take me a while to figure out where a few button pushes you've got to figure it out on your phone. Yeah, because otherwise I'm, uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it's kind of amazing to think of it that way. So, yeah, the Fallout Universe difference between ours and theirs is that 1950s, like I said, technological advancement stops. And so, of course, even though you think, well, they've got nuclear-powered cars, they've got nuclear power plants and stuff, people were still eating and reproducing and everything on these huge scales that were not being counterbalanced with more cleaner, efficient methods. Right. Now, so of course, you know, there's still going to be um, gas-powered vehicles, diesel-powered propane, natural gas, all these things. And the problem was is that because the the machinery in that regard did not become more efficient, Mm -hmm. 
if anything, it was just burn through it as fast as they can and everything. Like, a lot of the planes were still, like, for military purposes, were still gas-powered and stuff. Right. Now, nobody knows really in the universe who fired the first shot. But there's theories that it was China because um, the Americans annexed Canada. Essentially, they just walked up to our border and said, Hey, Canadians, here's a boot to the teeth. Now get out of our way. We're taking over your country. Ouch. Yeah, very neighborly of them. Oh, yeah. And they also did the same thing to Mexico, but we happened to be right in the way of them in Alaska. And China, you know, was attacking Alaska for the last drops of oil. Right. And a big battle happened there. The Americans brought out power armor. Now, for those of you who don't know about power armor, it's, think Iron Man, but this was more bulky, not as fly around and showcasey and stuff. But, you know, when you're getting shot at by machine guns, if you could stand out in the middle of an open field and fire <coughs> any firearm you wanted at your enemy, and they have to hide behind cover, you kind of have a strong advantage there. Right. But then you give that person a rocket launcher, a machine, a Gatling gun, you know. Now it's even worse that you are firing all those bullets at them and they're not falling, and they're firing tank-level weaponry at you. Yeah. So the Chinese got kicked out of Anchorage, Alaska, and nobody knows if Americans launched nukes at the Chinese or the Chinese launched nukes at the Americans. It just happened. The bombs fell. Yeah, and that's where essentially the mad... Came, uh, clause came into effect that both sides nuked each other as hard as they could. Now, here's an interesting thing about uh, about nukes that not a lot of people know. The smaller the nuke, the worse it is in the long run. Mm. Because, now, some people might know about a thing called Zarbamba, the largest nuke ever made. Mm -hmm. It would completely and utterly kill millions and millions of people if launched in a place like uh, Los Angeles, California, or, New York, uh, New York uh, places with large populations. Like, we saw a thing Toronto. where Toronto. Yeah, like, it would yeah. kill millions of people in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like, the speed I snapped my finger, that many people would be dead. Right. But the nuclear fallout, the thing that poisons people, things that, cr that creates the nuclear winter, yeah. would be minimal. And How why is that? Because it goes high up into the atmosphere and disperses so much cleaner then, like, the nuclear material doesn't uh, get... It gets burnt up more rapidly. Okay. There's less nuclear fallout, hence mm -hmm. the name, that goes into the atmosphere and creates the nuclear winter. Right. However, because these arm sides were trying to make as many nukes as possible, and they only have so much uranium, they made smaller nukes, tactical nukes. Mm. But these don't burn and dis uh, disperse the... Or burn the radiation or the uranium is effectively and creates more nuclear fallout in the area and poisons more of the earth. Mm -hmm. So that's why everything on the earth after these bombs went off would die. Right. But of course, in the fall universe, they sum it up to that there's Radaway, Radex, uh, shelters. Yeah. That's why people are still alive. Yeah. Even though essentially by those days standards, there weren't enough. There weren't any shelters, if and you know, to like protect people from that scale of nuclear war. Right, just the vaults. Yes. And so, sorry. So, what day? What was the date the bombs fell? Uh, October twenty third of twenty sixty three or sixty one. Okay. Uh, yeah, essentially like forty ish years from now. Okay, so that's what you mean by. Even though it was technically in the future from where we are now, 
it looked like it has a very 50s feel to it. Yeah, the music, uh, definitely very iconic. Like, oh, I love the music from Fallout. F- Frank Sinatra, uh, Nat King Cole. Um, who else was some of the main singers in there? Um, um, but yeah, you know, like there's a whole bunch in there, like um, Adam Bomb Baby and stuff like from Fallout 4. Yeah. Uh, the Ink Spots. Mm-hmm. I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. Kind of a cliche, you know, song to be playing in that universe because the world was set on fire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, for sure. So, um... Yeah, so music, like, was a big indicator of the cultural times, even though it's set in the future and everything. And I love the decor, um, just the feel of it. Like, it's so... Yeah, it is. It's like, it makes you think of a... Of a retro... Of a retro, better time, in some ways, right? But then you realize the juxtaposition of the fact that a nuclear war has happened, and... Everything's wiped out. Everything's wiped out, and all of a sudden it's definitely wasn't a better time, right? Yeah, (laughs) because, like, and there's one thing that a lot of the people in the Fallout universe, because it, like, when most people play the game, it's uh, 22... 50, 60, 70, depending on which game you play. But it's all very far in the future. Mm-hmm. And they all envision before the Great War, people must have been having time of their lives, you know, not having to run around with guns and, you know, they had all the food they could eat and they could do whatever they want. Have However, mm-hmm. because the Cold War was escalating, fear was mounting in the people. Right. Like people think that they were in their backyards, you know, having a barbecue with their neighbors throwing back a couple Nuka-Colas, yeah. right, and stuff, but that's not really how it was. No, if anything, there was a lot of uh, people attacking their neighbors for whatever fuel supplies they could get, if uh, food was running low in their house, like, going to the grocery store could be very dangerous because people were starving back in those times. Right. So all this money put into the war effort, nothing really into any kind of develop like, technological advancement or, you know, people get having all these fears and angers and, yeah, it was like a time of huge civil unrest and all they wanted was something peaceful. They ended up getting total atomic annihilation. Yikes. Well, that doesn't sound like a fun time for sure. Um, now, what I wanted to ask you, so you've played Fallout 3. Yep. You've played... A bit of New Vegas. A bit of New Vegas. You've played Fallout 4. Most of it, yep. Yeah. And, again, Fallout Shelter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like I said, that one there. Like, it was a fun game, but it doesn't really add to the lore. It doesn't add to the lore, but it's a neat concept, for sure. Um, Which of those three games, so we won't include Fallout Shelter, I guess, because it doesn't add to the lore, but which of the three games is your favorite? Uh, you know, that is actually a really tricky question, um, because each one has their own merits in their own ways. Right. Uh, Fallout 3 is the one that really amps up the scare factor, because it gives you the first-person perspective. Um, there's, you can only level up so much, so you gotta really kind of choose how you want to play, what you want to do when you play and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then there, uh, but yeah, it was like, there was the karma system. You do good things, uh, people like you. You do bad things, some people will shoot you before you come into town. You're right. And then in New Vegas, the thing I really liked about it was that if you wear one faction's outfit and you wear it into the other side's base, 
they will shoot you on sight because you're wearing their clothes, so it's you're the enemy. Hmm. And, you know, there's the whole, there's a lot to learn about in the Mojave Desert. And they also introduced the Sarsaparilla uh, Sunrise, which mm. was the uh, Nuka-Cola's root beer competition. Okay. And was there a karma system in New Vegas? Uh, no, they opted that out with the identification system mm. of what you're wearing. So you had to really be careful of what you wear and where you wear it. Yeah, mindful of where you were and where you were going. Yeah. So then, of course, uh, there's Fallout 4. Now, they don't have a karma system or anything like that in no. that game. But they did have it more interesting that instead of being like, you know, you're a good guy, a bad guy, or what you wear, it was all they introduced it as more of people know about you so much because you are the sole survivor of Vault 111 mm-hmm. that if you choose one of the four factions, any other faction will see you and try to shoot you because you're not on their side. Right. So I got to say, probably for my favorite, um, I'm going to say um, New Vegas, just because it had a, a, a good level of difficulty, Yeah. and it really amped it up with uh, making you aware of your wardrobe. Because a lot of people just try to go for what's the coolest looking thing, or what's the best armor to wear. Well, right. in this game, it's, you know, there's a, an additional reason to what you're wearing. That makes sense. Now, I know that also, um, well, my favorite game, obviously, is Fallout 4, because I've played that one the most. Yeah. I've never, I have not finished it, but I am working on it. It's a very good game, and... Takes a long time to play. It does take a long time to play, and I have, unfortunately, I work full-time outside of this, and at one point, when we had first gotten the game, I was working three jobs. So, playing it was a little difficult, but, uh... You know, we're getting there. We play when we can. Yeah. And stuff. But uh, I know for Fallout 4, they have the special, like, stats or... Yep. Where you pick kind of like your... Str- so it's special is strength, perception, endurance, endurance uh, charisma, charisma intelligence. intelligence, agility, and luck. There you go. Yeah. I can spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, the Bethesda sure did like to have fun with their abbreviations of things. Yeah. So. Absolutely, that's special. Yeah. You know, um, but, so basically in Fallout 4, you get to assign a certain amount of points to each one of those attributes. Yeah. Right. And uh, that'll determine, like, how much you can carry or how much you can barter or how lucky you are for finding like ammo and and uh the game in-game currency of caps yeah and stuff like that did fallout 3 and new vegas have special as well they did now all the games have had special cool and uh yeah it's been kind of interesting because each game like as you played a little bit of fallout 3 you were kind of surprised at how much points you could put into your special yeah. Where you could allocate them, because in Fallout 4, they definitely took that down a lot. The reason being is because in Fallout 3, you could only progress so far in levels because they had a cap. Whereas in Fallout 4, if you do enough missions, kill enough creatures or whatever, you could actually max out. And I think it's somewhere around the 300, almost 400 level 
fuck of playing a character. Yeah. So even just getting to the 100 level mark, as you and I know, is pretty hard. But it is doable. Yeah. It just requires you to be a complete maniac and a butcher Pete going around and anything you see is just in between the crosshairs and dead. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I know personally for me, the two attributes I find to be the most important, yep. I guess, for the way I like to play anyway. For your play style. Is luck. Yep. And charisma. Um, because I want my character to be super, super charismatic. Yep. Where, um... Talking to people, getting rewards. Yep. Right, and stuff like, you know... Getting they secret wanna, information. Basically, I walk up to them and they just want to hand over whatever I want. Because... You're such a I'm, cunning per- or charming person. I'm so charming. Just call me Princess Charming. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, your, your majesty. <laughs> <laughs> and stuff. And then luck, because I'm not maybe the best aimer. <laughs> um, I'm not a full spray and pray sort of player, but I definitely maybe miss here and there every once in a while-ish. And stuff. So I like to have ammo, and I want to have lots of caps. And I want to have lots of caps because then I have the ability to buy more things at the store or if I need to bribe people, like if that's an option. It is. And stuff, then I can do those sorts of things. And I don't have to worry about too much about it. Yeah. So I like those attributes um, the most. I do find, though, that sometimes, like, if I don't put enough points into strength or perception, right, then... I mean, that hinders me in places, too. Yeah. For your play style, what are your, let's say, two top special attributes that you like to put points into? Um, well, that's an interesting one, because my first play style um, in Fallout 3 and in 4, mm-hmm. I went for more of a strength and endurance character. Yeah. Somebody who could carry a lot, um, I could take a lot of damage, essentially a tank in a way. Right. I want Because, like... I don't have anyone really around. I mean, except for in Fallout 4, you almost always have an ally. Mm-hmm. You can play without one, but that's yeah. up to people's discretion. Um, but yeah, I was like, well, if I'm going to be out here all by my lonesome and somebody takes a pot shot at me, either A, I want to be able to take the damage, mm-hmm. or B, I want to be able to carry around a big enough gun to make them regret it. Right. So, but then playing, uh, I am actually started a second playthrough of Fallout 4, where I decided to go for something that feels more... Uh, I'm like a fart in the wind, just gone, <laughs> kind of thing. And uh, I went for more of the agility and perception attribute. Okay. The reason being is because I got a sniper rifle, so I can see it really far away away. Mm-hmm. And when I see my target way up ahead, I can give him a headshot, which does double damage. And being the head, it's a very vital spot of the body. Right. I mean, I don't know. I I know we've come across a few people where we're pretty sure if they lost their head. They'd still be okay, but <laughs> generally speaking, according to the anatomy, you lose the brain, you know, someone's mostly dead. Right. So, I kind of went with that to be the whole, um, almost like a Robin Hood in a way, but more along the lines of just the cold-blooded killer, like I remember hearing this uh, interview with a sniper, and the interviewer asks, so when, you're shoot, uh, when you shoot somebody... Um, in the Middle East, I'm not sure what, uh, like, yeah, what event this was, but anyways, uh, what war this was, but anyways, the interviewer asked the sniper that, I was like, what do you feel when, uh, you shoot 
uh, somebody through your scope or whatever. And his only response was recoil. Oh. Yeah, just a cold-blooded, like, the guy has come to terms with pulling that trigger and everything, and it was just like, you know, I was like, because honestly, as a kid, it always scared me the idea of a sniper. Someone you can't see, someone so far away, and all of a sudden, ping, you, you know, you're hit, or your buddy's hit, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a kill shot, but the person just picked somebody off with one bullet far away. Yeah. And it was like, and then it's always so funny now to be playing the style of, like, I see these raiders or super mutants or whatever freaking out because they know I'm out there. Mm-hmm. They know death is coming for them, but they don't know where I am. Yeah. And now, however, there are some creatures out there like super mutants, death claws, things like that, that are so strong, like their skulls are so thick and everything, that the bullets I'm firing at their head doesn't usually go for a kill shot. It hurts them a lot. Right. But it doesn't do the job. And that's when it comes to a case of bring out some bigger toys. But that requires more of the strength attributes, so I try to stick to the hole, shoot them from a, such a far distance that they're winded and everything, and I've had a chance to collect myself and chuck a few grenades before they get close. Oh, well, yeah, that's definitely... I can't chuck the grenades, I just kill myself, so I don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you can do it, and you do it well, so that's really good for you. Yeah. Um, so... You were talking about factions earlier. Yeah. Um, I guess the factions are probably different between three New Vegas and four. So let's go with Fallout Four. Okay, because that's the one you're familiar with. Because that's the one I'm familiar with. Um, if you had to choose a faction to be a part of, which one would you choose? Well, if we we're only talking four, I would probably have to say. I like the idea of the Minutemen. Yeah. Mostly because, like, don't get me wrong, the Brotherhood of Steel, they're the military organization that's all, like, the the remnants of it from before the war. They have all this incredible technology, but the problem is, is that they kind of have a bit of a, because everybody, they're so used to everybody trying to shoot them dead, Uh that they don't really take kindly to a lot of other people. Right. Yeah, I can remember... Yeah. A guy named Reese or Rice. Yeah. Um, in Fallout Four, and I wanted to punch that guy. He had a face you could punch. Like yeah. he's a jerk with a face you could punch. Yeah, you know, you your your trigger finger almost slipped a few times on him. I know. Yeah. Oh, just just almost a couple. No big yeah. deal. Um. Yeah. Like there's been a few characters in the Brotherhood that have made me think that hey, the Brotherhood's a good thing, but then there's like the leader who kind of views it as every anything that's not human. Deserves to be shot. And that's Dance, right? No, Dance is just a paladin. Oh, okay. Um, I can't remember the name of him, but there's a main guy on top of this airship they have. Oh, yeah, right. I can't remember his name either, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and, you know, it's like, in one way, it's kind of like, hey, you know, there's a lot of things. Like, there's Mylurks, there's Rad Roaches, Death Claws, Super Mutants. Yeah, uh, Yeah, Yao Synthetics. Uh, all kinds of uh, creatures and things that want the human race dead or view us as a nuisance at best. Right. So, you know, it's like, of course, you know, if you're po- if that's how things are going to view us, it's like we've got to be willing to, you know, uh, kick the door in and, you know, show them that it's like, no, 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 we might be wounded and down, but we ain't out. Right. But unfortunately, not every super mutant, ghoul, um, 
you know, or even the some there's many synthetics and stuff like that yeah. that don't view us as these awful threats. Right. Um, so it's kind of one of those. Do you ju- do you just what do you uh, what is it wipe uh, br- uh, paintbrush the whole f- unit like every person you know right you don't want to put everybody into the same category because you know it's not the same yeah because like it's like saying um, every German is a Nazi well yeah. that's the Nazis existed back in the 30s and 40s yeah but you know like let's not get into that but it's like like saying every person in Germany is a Nazi. Well, from what I've heard from people who've been to Germany, Germany is actually a very wonderful place and the people are so friendly and... And kind, yeah. Yeah, but you, you, most people only think of, when you say Germans, you picture Nazis. I don't, but... M- most people, I'm sorry. Some, yeah, no, but some people do, right. And that would just be unfair to say to all those people nowadays that the Germans shouldn't exist or whatever because... Their history has a very red stain on it. Right, because, I mean, let's face it, almost every country has a really bad red stain on it. Yeah. And it's just unfair to, yeah, to group people into one one thing from their history or whatever, right? So, yeah, it's, it's you don't want to be a part of the, the um, Brotherhood of Steel because that's kind of what they do is they just clump everybody into the same thing of being like, oh, they don't like humans, they're dead. They don't like humans, they're dead. They don't like humans, they're dead. Even worse, they go, you're not human, you're dead. Oh, okay. And they don't even consider people like Nick Valentine, who's a synthetic. Oh, yeah, he's just an abomination walking around, deserving to be shot. But actually is one of the, in my opinion, coolest characters in in Fallout 4, and he's got, like, a really great backstory and stuff, so... And then, yeah, <clears throat> other factions like the Railroad. <clears throat> the Railroad kind of takes a resemblance from back during the, <clears throat> what was it, the 1800s when there was the uh, Freedom Trail to Canada for many African slaves. Well, it was after the Civil War, so... Yeah, so yeah. 17, 1800s? 18. Yeah, sometime, sometime around then. But anyways, um, the thing is is that not all synthetic humans want to do as the Institute has told them to do. They want to just live their own lives. They don't want to be, essentially, tools that are disposable right. for their cause. Now, I can appreciate that greatly because I don't think anybody should be... that that is capable of their own conscious thought. Like, my car, it's a tool. Um, if there was an artificial intelligence that was capable of thought and thinking and reasoning and was, you know... Was aware of that, you know, once it's dead, it's gone kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that's, like, there's a lot of debate between artificial and organic life, what's real, what's not. Right. But, essentially, it's like, if something can feel and think for itself, I don't think it should be used as a disposable um, resource. No, absolutely not. It should be treated like an equal. Yeah. You know. Like, so what if it was made in a factory and not made from human reproduction? Yeah. It's still a form of life. It's just its origin is different than ours. That doesn't right. make it evil. Right. So, but here the thing was is that they're they're very espionage and they yeah, have some very quirky traits that just kind of made me go, "Eh, like they're I really appreciate them, but just wasn't feeling them." Right. And then of course, the last faction that was different than all the other ones is the Institute. 
you can actually join up with the boogeyman of the wasteland. Ooh. Now, Michelle here has not played, as far as I know, to the point where she's been inside the Institute's no. lap. So I'm just going to keep it very vague for her, but some people who have played will know about this, is that they view it as they are the next logical step in human evolution, able to withstand radiation, a lot of, a lot of damage from anything, and will progress forward, or, you know, survive far better than most humans will. The problem is, is that in order for, like, in order for them to take over, they essentially have to wipe out anything that, uh, they, they replace people, killing them, and put the synthetic person in to infiltrate, sow distrust, and then they can rise. Mm. So it's a very, instead of just becoming their own thing, they view it as like a hermit crab. They're going to take over what's been used and grow from there. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm all for scientific advancement and discoveries and progression. Yeah. But that was just a level that made me go, you're going to wipe out basically the entire human race and most other species in the Fallout universe yeah. to be the only thing left. And then, of course, this is where it gets stagnant, that because there's no evolution with the birth of the next generation, mm -hmm. that or no progression in genetic tra traits and features, that it just kind of becomes stagnant. Right. There's no progression. There's no adaptation. There's nothing. So it was kind of a, I viewed it more as a backward step in scientific advancement and achievement than a step forward. Right. And so then that leaves the Minutemen, which is the faction you would go with. Yeah. Now, the, what was it? The Common, uh, yeah, the Commonwealth, uh, which is Boston, Massachusetts. Um, their, their population, all the people, all the farmers, traders, they've all been... They had a military force that was a militia known as the Minutemen. And they actually suffered a betrayal and fell apart. And a lot of people lost hope in ever sustaining their own independence. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you come across Preston Garvey, the last of the Minutemen. Mm -hmm. And he appoints you general because you're charismatic enough to and skilled enough to help people, you know, fight off their enemies, give them a lifting hand... And they flourish. Yeah. It's not a it's not a hand out, it's a hand up. Right. Per se. And I really like that because it's not saying, um, you can't defend yourself, I'm gonna take away your, you know, resources and whatever I feel I need to protect you. Mm -hmm. It's no no no. You need help, but when I'm not here, you have to be able to stand on your own. Which right. is kind of that independence thing. You know, the Americans, united we stand, divided we fall. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that way. But they kind of went, what if we could also be independent and not fall? Right. So that's what I really admired about them is because it was the whole Commonwealth progressed forward as one big unified step. And especially when, you know, it's a matter of life and death. Right. A lot of people are very eager to step forward together. Yeah, and they aren't against, like... Um for example, you come across a super mutant who's, like, a good guy, I guess, or whatever, strong. Yeah, there's many super mutants that aren't evil, mindless killing machines, although that is from the forced evolutionary virus, or FEV, right. that makes them uh, lose their minds quite a lot, but that's another lore history. <laughs> and stuff, but with strong, like, they aren't against him. They aren't going to say, oh, you have to kill him. 
just because he's a super mutant. They understand that he's not like a mindless super mutant that's just like rage. Well, that's the thing about the Fallout 4 that I like is that they see a super mutant walking around with you, not bashing your brains in, you're not shooting it. If anything, you're talking with it, and they kind of go, oh, well, if the hero of the wasteland, of the Commonwealth, is friends with this person, you know, obviously he can't be that bad. Right. But most super mutants generally, yeah, the, the history of them gets really sad, but also really upsetting. Yeah. And, yeah, so, like, they see you walking around with Nick, with Strong, with, uh... Ada. Yeah, uh, Hancock. They see you walking around with all these different, uh, people, who normally they would, most people in those cases, wouldn't think twice to put a bullet between their eyes. Right. But they see you walking with them, and they kind of think, well, I know you, you're a good, trustworthy person, so this person must also be, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that I can trust. It's kind of like, the friend of my friend is also my friend. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. That makes sense. Um, so if you had to go up against any of those, like, I guess, creatures or whatever of the wasteland, Ooh. in real life, which creature would you go up against? Okay. Well, that's, that's actually a hard one, because... Uh, you know, I feel like, in all honesty, I would want to go up against a super mutant uh, of anything. Mostly because, I mean, there's the Myalurks, really fast crabs that, unless you shoot them in the face, or in the torso where it's soft, you ain't really doing too much damage against their hard shells. You'll protect me from those, right? <laughs> Yeah, you That's know. That's like my phobia, crabs. So, yeah, so I'll just run away screaming while you shoot them. And you remember the Myler Queen. That thing is just nasty on steroids. Yeah. And then uh, then you've also got um, Death Claws. Those things, um, you haven't even seen the full extent of a lot of them. Yeah. And I feel like without a suit of power armor, you are just lunch walking up in a nice metal packaging at yeah. best. Yeah. And uh, you've also got things like the Yaogwai. I mean, they're just mutated bears. I feel like it would be no different than actually hunting a real bear. Right. Um, You do have the more nonchalant things. Like there's uh, mole rats, which are rats that... These rat-type moles that jump out from the ground at a very fast pace and bite you in the ass hard. Yeah, they're like mutated moles, right? Yes. Yeah. And then you've also got the rad roaches. Basically cat-sized cockroaches, which, funny enough... The guy who introduced me to Fallout, he has a phobia of bugs. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember seeing, like, a dragonfly, like a full-grown adult dragonfly. And he saw this in the corner of the of a wall. And I worked construction with this guy. And he saw it. He took the staple gun, pulled the safety back. Do not do that, people. It can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And he fired, like, three or four staples at it and cut it in half because he was so afraid of it. Oh, that's so mean. Yeah, well, it was his phobia. It was like I know. It's like me telling you about a tarantula. I'd pick up a 20-pound sledgehammer and squash that sucker. <laughs> you know, you don't say that's mean when I squash his tarantula. I think it's mean. I just don't say it because I know that I would also, like, run away screaming and crying from a crab. So, you know. Yeah, so there, it's, it's, I think that's the difference between guys and girls, especially when it's phobias like that. It's the phobia of falling kind of thing or heights. It's kind of like a different thing. You can't really shoot it or swing a hammer at it. Yeah. It's just gravity. But when it's an actual thing like bugs, crabs, spiders, 
whatever bats or kind of thing, a lot of people would have either the run response or the fight response. Yeah, fight or flight. Yeah. Or freeze. But yeah, I feel like the super mutants, because one, it would be saving people from either the super mutants eating them or taking them away to have them turn into another super mutant with the FEV. Uh, it would just be like, it kind of be one of those heroic fights. Mm-hmm. Not like I'd expect a lot of people to be like, yeah, he killed a super mutant. It's like, no, it's more of uh, if humanity is, good, is to survive. I mean, super mutants can survive any level of radiation. They mm-hmm. take a lot of bullets to put down. And, you know, they swing like anything from a, they'll pick up a stick they'll use whatever gun they can find yeah. and there's even some that like to carry around like a football a small nuclear bomb and run up to you and blow it up yeah the super mutant suicider yeah those are around in fallout 3 i'm not sure if they were in fallout 1 or 2 but hearing that beep 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 when they're about to suicide on you it's a very scary thought. Yeah. Because that's usually insta-death for most people. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, I think the one I'd be okay with going against would definitely be a rad roach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cat-sized cockroach? Yeah, I think I could totally take that. Um, If I had to. I definitely think that uh, this girl's got that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and especially considering most of them sit in walls and... Or sit on top of walls or on top of furniture. Like, they're pretty hard to miss unless, uh, you know, you go into an abandoned building. Yeah. And in which case, I'm pretty sure you would not be the first person to go into the abandoned buildings. Um, no. (laughs) Of course not. So, that being said, what do you want out of a future Fallout game? I know that we both have not played Fallout 76. Sadly. Yes. Um... It is personally not my game style at all. Yeah. I do not really um, like playing online with strangers. Yep. Um, so that's not really my game play. Yeah. And I know you have your reasons why you haven't played it. Mostly to do with uh, just the fact that it's... Uh, the Fallout scare factor to me is you're going into places all alone and anything can really kind of jump at you or get you. Having friends back you up and everything almost makes it feel like unless you're getting swarmed or you're attacking like a behemoth or a miler queen, mm-hmm. there's not a lot that, you know, you and your friends can't take down. Right. Now, there, I have seen a lot of gameplay footage. I've seen a lot of, you know, trailer previews and stuff. Mm-hmm. It does look like an amazing game. It's just, unfortunately, from what I've heard from very long-loving uh, fans or veterans of the games is that it... Really under-delivered. Right. So, that being said, what would you want to see out of a, like, a Fallout 5, let's say? You know, okay, so they've done the Mojave, which was kind of around uh, the Las Vegas area. Yeah. They did uh, the Capital Wasteland in 3, which was um, out in Washington, D.C., which yeah. I believe is closer to the east. Mm, yeah. I think um, so. Then they've also done Boston, which was also around the northeast of the states. Um, 76 was in West Virginia, mm-hmm. or as the song goes, I don't think there's a West Virginia, just Virginia. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would honestly like to see probably either kind of one set somewhere in the mountainous areas, like, uh, maybe, I might be wrong on this, I think like Minnesota, Colorado type thing, where it's like you have like 
a place where forests used to exist, and there's mountainous areas. Like, mm-hmm. you can hide a lot of stuff in the mountains. Yeah. Or somewhere, say, maybe have it their border between the U.S. and Canada, or the U.S. and Mexico. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of really expand on what was the neighbors, what was happening to their... You know, immediate, immediate neighbors. neighbors. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, I think it would be interesting to see them expand the universe's lore with that and maybe show that there wasn't just the American vault tech. Maybe Canada had one going. Maybe Mexico had one going. Well, Canada, especially in Mexico, if they were annexed, right? Because then the U.S. took over. So it's very possible that, yeah, they would have had vaults splattered throughout, you know, Canada and Mexico. So, yeah. And maybe they would call the vaults in Canada the cabins. <laughs> you know, some or the igloos. Yeah, you know, something like that is like because Voltec was an American specific company, whereas they might throw just kind of a comedic lore and everything because Fallout does have a lot of com- uh, comical stuff with it. Yeah. On top of the sheer level of horrifying details with what happens to people, what happens in uh, the vaults, and it's uh, it's something where I haven't really read like any books or anything. Um, too much on it, but I think reading a lot of books on just like lore or fan fiction type stuff could be interesting. Mm-hmm. There's also that YouTube channel, uh, Shoddy Cast. Yep. Yeah. They have the whole Fallout uh, lore history. Yeah, and that's really interesting. So if you guys are into lore, you should definitely check that out. The storyteller does a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. so I- yeah- I feel like that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Yeah, I feel like that really covered a good amount of lore, but much like the Star Wars, Warhammer, Kevin Smith, like, there's a lot more detail we can go into, but, you know, obviously you gotta start with the basis of, you know, the history and where your love of something came in for this type of nerdy stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess we could kind of leave it up to our listeners, if you guys end up wanting to hear more about Fallout or any of the other topics we've covered so far, just give us a shout at our uh, email address. And that's Little Nerdy. Little, little Nerdy Podcast. Podcast. At, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that was a good one to, or a good note to end it on. And please, everybody, remember that at the end of the day, no matter what your thing is or what you're into, we're all just a little nerdy.